is there anyone listening today who in their mind just longs for each and every year that perfect Christmas? And then Christmas comes and goes and we reflect back on the Christmas experience and we realize just how far from perfect it was. Now, I'm sure this year is going to be a year where all of us lower our expectations because nothing is going to be normal for us this year. But maybe that's the exact reason why this is the best year of all, to really step back and reflect on what does a perfect Christmas actually even look like? This year for our Advent sermon series, we are talking about this theme called Almost Christmas. We come close to getting it right so many times. Magre de Vega, the pastor at Hyde Park United Methodist Church in Florida, says this. We practice goodwill and cheer and basically try to be decent towards others. That's good. We observe the essential practices of the Christian faith, going to worship and remembering the Christmas story. That's good too. And we have a sincere desire to do our best for God. Good intentions are better than nothing, right? But if all that constitutes our practice of Christmas, when we think about it, is basic goodness, basic practices, and basic sincerity, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would describe our efforts as almost, not altogether. And like Jim Collins, uh, who wrote the great book, Good to Great, says the enemy of great is good. We can do good things in a good way, and that seems good enough. But good enough can prevent us from doing something with greatness. So John Wesley preached a sermon called Almost Christian versus Altogether Christian. On July 25th, 1741, at St. Mary's Church to his colleagues at Oxford University in England. Almost Christian on the surface looks like all the outward appearances of godliness. They have the basics of Christianity down. They are basically decent to others. They went to church. They abstained from inappropriate behaviors, and they tried to do their best. And John Wesley would say to them and look at us today and say, as commendable as that may be, it's still being an almost Christian. Doesn't God deserve our very best? Doesn't God deserve great and not good enough? Hasn't God given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do and be far more than we can possibly imagine and certainly to do more than just the basics? John Wesley calls the listeners to his sermon that day to something more than living an almost Christian life. And he does so by calling them to live an altogether Christian life. He summed up the altogether Christian's life fairly succinctly. First, they fully love God. Second, they fully love others. 
And third, they have a full trust and confidence in God. So their faith is not just an intellectual belief, but it is an offering of the mind, the body, and the spirit to Christ. We figured what better time of the year to explore this concept of almost versus altogether than right now during the season of Advent preparations for Christmas. How many of us truly can relate to experiencing the almost Christmas versus the altogether powerful, meaningful Christmas? We explore our almost Christmas experiences by looking at four very familiar themes, especially associated with the Advent wreath. Last week, we looked at the almost hope through the eyes of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Today, we're going to consider what is almost peace. The next two weeks, we'll look at almost joy and almost love. But today, we focus our thoughts on moving from an almost peace to an altogether peace. And what I think that we learn from today from what Scripture says about altogether peace is that so much more, it's so much more than uh, the peace we sing about at our beloved, uh, with our beloved Christmas songs, and it is so much more than the peace that our world tries to offer us. So let's start out by hearing a familiar teaching from Jesus, and then later we're going to hear two other teachings from the Apostle Paul. But we begin with John 14, 25 through 27. Jesus said to his disciples, I have spoken these things to you while I am with you. The companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and and will remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. This couple of verses of scripture comes at what we call Jesus' farewell discourse that he is giving or sharing with the disciples in the upper room on that Monday, Thursday, that night, a few hours before he was going to be arrested. He promises the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come and remind them and us of what Jesus has said and done. And as we practice Advent and prepare for the birth of the Christ child year after year, we are also reminded again who and what Jesus is, the Prince of Peace. And in a way, these four weeks leading up to Christmas are a prime time for the Holy Spirit to fulfill each year this promise that Jesus makes to the disciples. Jesus makes this grand promise of this gift of peace. The Prince of Peace offers the disciples his peace, Now, the Old Testament word that's used here for peace, shalom, is oftentimes used as a way of saying hello or goodbye in in Old Testament times. But that's not what's happening here. His peace that he is offering is not like the world's peace. It's, it's, It's so much more. It is not a greeting or a well wish. It's so much more. 
this worldly, worldly peace that he warns us of, of is much more like a, a false sense of security or merely just an absence of conflict. Uh, one of my favorite songs from the 80s, it's a don't worry, be happy kind of attitude. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That is not what all, merely all that Jesus is offering. Jesus' peace is, promises includes things like this, that we will not be orphaned or left alone, that God really is Emmanuel, God with us through Jesus Christ. And it is a shalom, a total well-being. It is a desire for us to be whole and well and, and, and healthy, not just a surface peace on the outside. It is all-embracing, a peace, an all-embracing peace of life, of love and joy. Those, those are part of the components that help us to experience a deep sense of peace. And this deep sense of peace comes from Jesus' heart and Jesus' life and experience, his example that he gives for us. But mostly at the heart of this peace that, that Jesus offers us is this future promise that Christ is going to come again and he will come in final victory. And that's when this peace will ultimately be fulfilled for us. Now this is hard. Because we look around the world right now and we see how far we are from this picture of peace that Jesus paints, this promise of this future peace. With COVID-19, more people are dying in a single day in this past week than in all of 9-11. Each day we equal the amount of deaths from 9-11. Come, Prince of Peace. The politicization of wearing masks and whether the disease is real or not, come, Prince of Peace. For those who are questioning a fair and legitimate election, come, Prince of Peace. The racial injustice that has been brought to light this year and the struggle with what we are to do about it, come, Prince of Peace. The exhaustion of our doctors, our nurses, our teachers, our students, our police officers, our first responders. Hey, shall we be honest? All of us. Come, Prince of Peace. Yes, indeed, we look around this world and we long for the Prince of Peace to come in final victory and to make right all that is at odds in our world. This altogether peace is a call to find this peace, though, within ourselves first. Because then that gives us the strength to face these new and unexpected circumstances. Like Jesus encouraging the disciples in their darkest hour to not be afraid. He's quoting 2nd Isaiah. The prophet who spoke to the exiles uh, from the Old Testament right before they were going to be returned to Jerusalem after 70 long years in exile in Babylon. They were moved from utter despair to hope in a real future with God that that might actually be possible after all. So celebrating Christ's birth again each year is a way of moving us from a sense of utter despair at the condition of the world 
into an inspired hope that God has not given up on us yet. Just like God did not give up on us 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. You see, Jesus was born into a world that also was in desperate need of peace. Sure, Pax Romana existed. 30 years of peace had taken place before Jesus was born, but really all that meant was there were no wars in the Roman Empire. The Romans had forced a world peace. It may have been an absence of war and conflict, but it was forced by shutting down any resistance before it could gather any steam against imperial Rome. It was an oppressive and coerced peace. Jesus would show the world a different way, to offer a peace that was not of this world, that was not Pax Romana. Paul would build on this concept of godly peace in his letter to the church at Ephesus. Let me share with you our second reading this morning from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Here, here the picture Paul paints of what an altogether peace might look like. Paul says, Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit with the peace that ties you together. You are one body and one Spirit, just as God also called you in one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Here's the main point from this word that is offered from Paul, because there's lots of good stuff in that passage. But for our purposes today, I want us to look at this text and, and to take from it regarding this almost versus altogether peace. That these few verses of scripture remind us of what we actually hold in common. Rather than putting our energy into pointing out all the things that we differ on. God values diversity and unity alike to hold those tensions together. And an altogether peace zeroes in on what we can value in one another. Humility, gentleness, patience, loving others, maintaining unity and recognizing above all else what we hold in common. And that is all of those things that, that we experience through Jesus Christ as our Lord. We live in a world that could use a whole lot more emphasis on what we hold in common with one another rather than highlighting our glaring differences. Our world could do with a few more peacemakers who look around at the violence, the division, the vitriol, the us versus them mentality that has been normalized and instead say, no, we can do better. This, this is not acceptable. This is not Jesus' way. I will not participate in dividing brother and sister in this country. 
John Wesley had another really good, he had a lot of good sermons actually, um, but another sermon that I want to pull from this morning is his sermon on Matthew 5 when he talks about the peacemakers. Wesley said, being a peacemaker implies those lovers of God and man who utterly detest and abhor all strife and debate. All right, this is 18th century language, so be mindful of that. Who also abhor all variance and contention and accordingly labor with all their might, either to prevent this fire of hell from being kindled or when it is kindled from breaking out or when it is broke out, from spreading any further. They endeavor to calm the stormy spirits of man, to quiet their turbulent passions, to soften the minds of contending parties, and if possible, reconcile them to each other. They use all innocent arts and employ all their strength, all the talents which God has given them, as well to preserve peace where it is, as to restore it where it is not. Peacemakers. Oh, the power of peacemakers in our life and in our world. You might know this story, but it bears worth repeating. I actually learned it by uh, going to the opera in Winston-Salem, to the opera called Silent Night. But in World War I, on Christmas Eve in 1914, uh, peace broke out in a very unexpected way. And while it may have only been for one night and one day and only once during the whole war, it was significant. Soldiers began to hear Stille Nacht sung in German. And when this, the German soldiers were done, the British began to sing in English. Then the Belgian and the French sang their own versions as well. And soldiers began to come out of the trenches from the trench warfare. Oh, the terrible, terrible warfare of World War I. They begin to exchange Belgian chocolates and scotch and German beer. They traded cigarettes. They buried their dead together. They played soccer together. They decorated German Christmas trees together. It was a moment of altogether peace. But you see, that's the problem. That's the problem in our world today is this side of Jesus' promise to return and bring a sustained peace, it only comes in fleeting moments. So our work is to try and string together more and more of this altogether peace-filled moments in our lives, in the lives of those we love, and in the world. So friends, what might it look like for us to be peacemakers? For you to join in John Wesley's words, to labor with all of your might, to ease contention and restore peace in the lives of those around you. Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So I end with these ver this verse from Philippians 4, 7 as a blessing and as a word of comfort for us today. Because when we strive for that altogether peace, no matter how rocky the world around us may feel, God's peace holds us together with a, with a sense of security and safety that will always seem fragile in the eyes of the world around us. But in reality, it has the power 
to get you through the most difficult times in life. Paul says, then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. So if you are longing for an altogether peace this year, if you need this peace like you have never needed peace before, then look to the Prince of Peace. And the secret of this altogether peace is in the life and love of Christ. Don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid because Christ comes to remind us once again that his love brings more than an absence of conflict. It brings the presence of Christ. So we are not alone. It brings a total shalom or well-being that eases our weary soul and softens the divisions of the world. So let's bypass this almost peace that we impatiently and short-sightedly seek out and sometimes even force. And instead, let's just patiently wait for that altogether peace to surround and encompass us. Come, Prince of Peace, bring shalom.